Yeah, Matthew chapter 22, uh, a little story that goes here in Matthew chapter 22, verse 34, the Pharisees got together, one of them, an expert in the law, tested Jesus with this question, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Now, see if this sounds familiar to you, okay? Uh, th- th- this, this whole story, back, you have to back up several verses to, to see what's really going on here, is the, the, the priests and, uh, and, and the scribes, and they, uh, they, they got together and they were kind of upset with Jesus. So, you know, they go and they start to challenge him. They ask him questions. They first ask him, you know, by whose authority do you do just that you do? And so Jesus kind of, it's really cool. You, you ought to go back and read Matthew, the whole chapter, just see how Jesus answers them. So he answers them. And uh, they, they, don't, they don't have a response. And so what they do then is they send the Pharisees over to, to talk to him. They, and the Pharisees also take their, their own disciples. They, I guess they have some Pharisees in training or whatever. They, they take them with them. And uh, another group that the, the priests send are the Herodians. And so the Herodians and the Pharisees and some of their little trainee disciples or whatever, they go over and they ask Jesus a question about taxes. And Jesus answers that question, kind of, you know, shuts them up. You know, they don't, have an, they don't have a response or reply to what Jesus says. And so then the Sadducees, they come. Now, this is all in this one, one, one chapter right here. It, it appears that it all happened like almost back to back, you know, that very same day. The Sadducees, they go and ask Jesus a question about the resurrection, about, about marriage after death, you know. And the really interesting thing here is that the Sadducees don't believe in a bodily resurrection. So it, they were asking Jesus, not because they believed he was going to give them a good answer. They actually were trying to trip him up or to question him, to trick him. And, uh, and so when Jesus answered them, uh, the, the, the way the, the word says it there is he, he pretty much shut them up. And when the Pharisees heard that Jesus had also silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together and, and decided, well, we're going to send one. And so they send this guy right here, an expert in the law. And so he goes and asks Jesus another question. And you know, we have today hot-button issues, political issues, right? I mean, the things that, you know, everybody's talking about. It's like some of the things that, that we're going to make a decision on which president we vote for, or who you voted for in the primary based on some of these hot-button issues. You know, this, this isn't new. Now, some of those things are new to our culture, you know, and they weren't around other cultures. But this isn't new. Hot-button issues and politics and all that stuff wasn't new. Arguing, debating over what is right, what is wrong, what is truth. That's not anything new. Jesus had to deal with those things. He had the, the priests who started the whole thing, wanting to talk about, let's talk about spiritual authority, Jesus. And then let's talk about taxes and the government and, and the economics and what's going on in our world. And let's talk about uh, resurrection, uh, end times, prophecy. And uh, let me ask you some questions there and see if I can confuse you just a little bit there. And, and why don't we just, you know, the last one right up there, you know, why don't we just, let's just talk about right and wrong, the truth, the commandments, the things that are, the things that we need to be doing and not be doing. And on and on and on, and Jesus had to answer these. You know, sometimes I, I wonder what Jesus would do and what he would say. If, you know, if Jesus showed up today, no doubt, I meant CNN, you know, Fox News, everybody would be there asking him questions. And they would be asking him about these hot button issues and probably a lot more. And sometimes, you know, what would Jesus respond? What would his answer be to the questions that we have about all of these things? 
And I don't really know. I, I, don't, I don't want to put the words in Jesus' mouth. I don't want to answer for him. I don't know what he would, but I can tell you this. He would answer a whole lot better than most of us answer when we answer. You know, because a lot of times all we do is we just create more trouble. And when Jesus answered the question, there was no, there was no follow-up question to be asked. He finished he gave an answer that finished it. There was no follow-up question. There was no response to give. There was no more replies. It wasn't like, okay, next question. There was no more question. You know why? Because he didn't get caught up in junk. He just stayed true, just talking about simple truth. He just gave them the simple truth. And if we could ever get back to just simple truth, and I, I believe that's what God wants. And that's the point of his message, but I think that's what God wants. Let's, let's just get back to simple truth. So how did Jesus answer? Verse 37, let's look. Here's how Jesus answered. What's the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. He said, that's the greatest commandment. With all your heart, like with all your passion. With all your passion, you know, the, the, the stuff that makes you tick, that makes you, make, that makes you have drive in the morning, that makes you, whatever your passions are, love God with it. And love God with all your soul. That's, that's your life. That's your essence. That's, that's who you are, your identity with with. with Everything about who you are, love, love God with that. And with your mind also, your intellect, your choices, your understanding, your, your, your education, and all of those things. Love, love God with that. In essence, he was saying, love God with all you are. Everything that you are, love God with that. But then Jesus goes on and he says, this is the first and greatest commandment, but the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. And what does that mean? That means whatever I would want to be done to me, Jesus says this in many different ways in, in, in the scripture, but that's the way I'm supposed to treat others. Love my neighbor as myself. And then in verse 40, he says, on these two commandments, hang all the law and the prophets. Now, now the guy was really just trying to trick Jesus to see what, he, what kind of a discussion he could get him in, into. And he says, so he just asked for one just to see what he would say so he could try to argue with him. But then Jesus said, I'm going to give you more than one. Let me give you two because on these two hang everything else, all the law and all the prophets. And so he's saying that the, the, the law, you know, that's, that's the Old Testament, the stuff that happened before Jesus, you know, all, all of that, that Old Testament stuff, that all hangs on, on these two things, but not just the law, the prophets. And what does it hang on? These, these, two, these two commandments, the greatest commandment and, and the second greatest commandment, Jesus said, they're, they're about love. Love God with all you are and love your neighbor as yourself, or love others as yourself. It's about love. And, and he says, not just the law, but the prophets also. And I don't know about you, but when I read the prophets and I think about the prophets in the Old Testament, I don't think about love. You know, have you read any of those prophets of the Old Testament? When I, when I read that, I don't think about love. You know, I'm thinking, of, you know, fire and damnation and hell and somebody's going to die for something they did wrong. You know, I mean, that's, that's kind of the way I read and I think about the prophets. But Jesus is saying, even the prophets of what was spoken in the Old Testament, it is because of love. The basis of it is love. It is love. It, the very basis of all that there is, there is love. In, in, in the Old Testament, the New Testament, the basis of all of it is love. I, we don't have time today to go back to Exodus and walk through it and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy. We don't have time to walk through the whole law today, okay? And we don't have time, obviously, to go over to the prophets either. Isaiah, 
Ezekiel and Jeremiah and all the minor, we call them minor prophets because they wrote little bitty books instead of the big ones. We don't have time to go through those, but let's just go to the beginning. You know, the beginning of the law is the Ten Commandments. Let's look at the Ten Commandments. So we don't have time to go through the whole thing, but let me just show this to you, what Jesus was talking about in verse 40 when he said, all the law and all the prophets hang on these two commandments. Let me show you right here, the Ten Commandments. Uh, God says, don't have any gods before me. Don't make any idols. Don't take my name in vain. Remember my Sabbath day to keep it holy. And that's not really about a day. That's really about all the stuff of who he is and being holy. Um, and boy, there's a lot to preach there. But, and then he says, honor your father and mother. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't bear false witness. And don't covet. Okay, those are the Ten Commandments. That, now, the, the, the rest of the law kind of just branches out from there. And, and if you read the, read the Old Testament, a lot of people read it this way. As they say, man, from that point on, it's just a list of do's and don'ts. Do this, do this, do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't, uh, do that, and don't do that one. You know, and it's just a list of do's and don'ts over and over and over. And that's the way it looks. But if we stop right here and just look and see. This is where it begins. Everything branches off from here. This is what Jesus is talking about. Because if we take, if we take those, let's, let's put a heading over these two columns right here. And, and that heading is the two greatest commandments. Love God with all you are and love others as yourself. And the first four of those are all about loving God with everything that you are, your heart, your soul, and your mind. And then the last six are about loving others just like you love yourself. And that's why Jesus said, all the law and the prophets hang on those two things right there. That everything else written in the law, and even what's written in the prophets, is all based on love. It's based on love. Now, now Jesus has shown up, and so now these people, they're coming, they're asking, they're trying to trick him, and they're trying to get into all these, all these deep things. And, and Jesus just takes them back to this, and no, this, it's all about love. So, so what did Jesus do? You know, a lot of people think that, 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 that what Jesus did when he came is he set aside the Old Testament because now we have a New Testament, so he set that aside. Now, they didn't call it the Old Testament. They called it the law, okay? We call it the Old Testament. But you know what Jesus said about the law, the Old Testament? He did not come. Let's look at the scripture. He did not come to, uh, to do away with it or to ignore it or forget it. Let's go to the next slide. Yeah, uh, Matthew chapter 5. He says, don't think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. Remember that? Part the, the law and the prophets, don't, don't think I've come to abolish them. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And this word for fulfill here, think about it in this context, perfect. What he is saying is, I have not come to do away with them. I have come to bring them to a perfection. What was started, I have come to fulfill it. Fulfill it, to bring it to perfection. And boy, did he ever. If, if all of the law and the prophets hang on those two commandments of love, Jesus perfected that because Jesus' ministry and his teachings was all about love. Just look, here's just a few of the, one, of the, of the, of the statements that he made. You know, not just teachings after he, he was gone. These are actually statements he made. He says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Here's what he's saying. You know, you can't work in close proximity or close quarters with a lot of people for a long time without somebody going postal if it's just only in their mind, right? Eventually somebody's going to lose it. Eventually somebody's going to blurt it. Somebody's going to have a problem. You know, there's going to be arguments. There's going to be fights. Jesus said, but you guys, this is how people are going to know. They're going to see the love that you have for one another. And they're going to say there's something different about those people. It's about love. Uh, John chapter 15, this is my commandment, Jesus says, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. And he talks to us about sacrificial love. 
Not just love that is, that is lip service, but sacrificial love that we lay down our life, that we do something that costs something for someone else. Luke chapter 6, but to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Now, the Jews had always heard that, love your neighbor. They had always heard that. You know, when, the, when, when that legal expert, the guy that, that was expert in the law, when he asked Jesus the question about the greatest commandment, what Jesus said, he got it because he had heard that all of his life. He had heard, love your neighbor as yourself. He had heard that. He had been taught that. That didn't blow them away. But now Jesus is blowing them away because he's taking that even further. Because this is not just a lip service thing. This is, this is what truth really is. It is based on love. And so Jesus says, I, I want you to understand. I don't want you to understand love as it is written. As it is written. I want you to understand love as it, it is supposed to be lived out. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. And pray for those who mistreat you. That's real love. And you know, and we all get the opportunity to prove ourselves every once in a while. You know what? It's really easy to see somebody else who's been done wrong and to tell them, well, you just need to pray that God helps you love them anyway. That's easy to tell somebody. Come on, somebody say amen. But when it's you that's been done wrong, then you get to really prove, is this just something you say or is this really who you are? Jesus proved it was who he was. Because when he was hanging on the cross, dying, not long before he breathed his last breath, he looked to the heaven and he said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. And he gave them simple grace out of his simple love. This was not something he talked about. This was who he was. He, he, he took the, the, the love commandments of the Old Testament and he fulfilled them in his ministry and his teachings to us. So then that... Right and wrong, what is truth, according to God, is all based on the doctrine of love, okay? This, this, is, this is simple truth today, get this. Sim the simple truth is that all truth is based, according to God, on the doctrine of love. And just like the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Herodians and the priests, just like them, we want to make it about lots of other things. We want to we uh, twist it, or we want to dig into it, or we want to argue, or we want to debate. I mean, I, I grew up in church, and I know a lot of people that they wanted, they didn't really want to find the truth, they just wanted to debate the truth, or argue the truth, or wanted to just be right. And even if they were wrong, they didn't want to admit it. They wanted to find a way to twist it so they could still be right because, you know, change something or whatever. And that's what they were doing. These Pharisees, Sadducees, Herodians, and, and, the, and the priests as well, the chief priests, they wanted to just, just, just argue and find ways to make themselves right. You see, th those groups of people, they were like, they were like four different schools, and there were, there were even more than that, or, or, or segments of the Jewish faith. We, we today would probably call them denominations, okay? And so they, they were like the Pharisee denomination and the Sadducee denomination, the Herodian denomination, you know? It was, it was like that. And, and so all they wanted to do is they, they just kind of wanted to be right, you know? And um, the, um, 
Oh, what, what, the, the commentary, it's the, it's the Expositor's Greek Testament commentary wrote about this, this point where they, where they kept coming to Jesus, the scriptures we were reading in Matthew 22, they kept coming to Jesus, kept coming to Jesus. Here's what this commentary wrote about that, this, this, this comment right here. Jesus soars away far above the petty disputes of the schools, those Pharisees, Sadducees, Herodians. Jesus soars away far above the petty disputes of the schools about the relative worth of isolated precepts teaching the organic unity of duty. That they wanted to argue isolated precepts, but Jesus teaches the organic or the base, the foundation of, of, of our true duty. And our duty is to love God and to love others. That's what our duty is. And it's in that that we find truth. God is not just up in heaven making lists of rules for you and I to have to live by. If there are rules, it is because of this duty that we have to love God and to love others. And this, this right here is a, is a good segue into a few reasons why we struggle so much with right and wrong, okay? And the first one, it really almost, is almost said right here, and it's micro-focusing. Micro-focusing, you know, when we don't want to just know truth, we want to know truth about this little piece over here. And what we're really trying to do, you remember when you were 10 years old and you used to try to, 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 to twist the truth just a little bit so it, was, it would kind of fit into what mom and dad told you to do or not to do? You know, you just say, well, I didn't really do it that way, mom. No, you said not to do this, but I didn't do this. I didn't. And you might not have broken the, you know, the letter of the law, but you broke the spirit of it a lot of times. Come on, you understand what I'm saying? And we do that a lot, right? We do it, and by micro-focusing, what we do a lot of times is we're just trying to make room for ourselves to fit in. You know, this thing that we're, it's not, it doesn't really fit, but we're trying to do that. And we're, so we micro-focus. We, we kind of try to explain it. We kind of try to, we, we, we don't want just simple truth because by simple truth, this ain't right. But if, you know, but if, and then we try to throw in the buts and we try to throw in the explanations and the reasonings and all that. But the more you have to explain why something is right or okay, the less likely it is. You know, if you can't just say, this is right, this is wrong, here's truth, here's untruth. If you have to explain it, the more you try to explain it, the more you have to explain it, the less likely it really is truth. So if you're micro-focused on something, you know, that's why we're confused. It's because we don't want just simple truth. Uh, Let's go on to the next one. Feelings. We struggle. We struggle knowing right and wrong because of feelings. You know, um, and listen, when, when I say, you know, I'm saying today that, that, that the truth is simple. It's something that is simple. We don't, we, you know, we don't have to dig into it. As a matter of fact, the more we dig into it, a lot of times we just mess it all up. We just kind of twist it and, and manipulate it and that. But it, it's really, really simple. But me saying that it's simple doesn't mean that, okay, you can get it in these two couple of statements. You don't ever have to need, ever have any need whatsoever to, to, to listen again. You, you, you need to always be listening. You need to always be filling your mind with the Word of God. You need to always be listening to His Spirit. Because what is going to happen to you is every day that you live your life, your environment is going to try and twist and pull you away from simple truth and make you say, you know, the, the, the very first, you know, the very first lie was kind of a half truth and a half lie, it was, you know, and it was told by, it was told by Lucifer, it was told by Satan. 
It was told by him in the Garden of Eden when he said, yea, has God said. Come on now, did God really say it that way? And what, what does he do? He's trying to twist those things. You know, and that's what's going to happen. Your environment is going to pull you away from simple truth, specifically. The people that you're around, the people that you work with, even your family, your best friends, they are going to, they're going to pour things into you that sometimes is going to make you step away from simple truth and make you try to think, well, maybe, maybe it's the way they say and maybe it's not quite the way this is and, and, and all of that. It's going to pull you away. Or, or the things that you read or, or the media that you are involved in, or the movies that you watch, the TV shows, I mean, the series that you got to get into. It. And, and, you know, and you get, get into series sometimes. You ever got into a series and you realize it was pulling you away from the truth, but man, I just got to find out what happens to them next week. Yeah, and it pulls you further and further away, and you have to start making decisions. You have to start making decisions that I don't, I don't want this, but I, I want the simple truth. You know, it's your feelings for that. And let me say it this, let me say it right here this way. Your feelings are one of the absolute, perhaps the most absolute worst indicator of what is right and what is wrong. What we'd want to do is we want to say, well, I know, oh man, and this, this, this destroys me as a pastor. To have, to have the people that I, to have the people that I, I preach to, the people that I pray over, the people that I, that, I, that I want to lead, the people that I want to disciple, that I want to grow deeper, to, ha- to, have them, to have them say, well, I know what the Bible says, but I feel, well, I, I, know, I know that's kind of what that scripture means, but I just feel, and you know what I want to say? I want to say you feel wrong (laughs) because if the Bible says this, it doesn't matter what you feel. Feelings are the absolute, maybe not the absolute, I hate to speak in absolutes, but it's got to be one of the the most absolute worst indicators of what is right. I mean, how many times have you made a mistake based on your feelings? You know, I mean, women go back to the abuser, not because that's a good thing to do, but because of Feelings, emotions, connections. Come on, how many of you like Krispy Kreme donuts? Anybody besides pastor, right? Have you ever felt like eating a half a dozen of those all by yourself would be a good thing? Right now, let's go. <laughs> and is it a good thing? Eating a half dozen? Even say, well, it won't hurt me. I'm not talking about what will hurt you, what won't hurt I'm talking about, I'll, I'll, I'll run an extra 20 miles today. Come on, how many of you are gonna run an extra? How many of you gonna run a half mile? How many of you gonna even run to the car from here, right? And we, and, but I feel that, uh, yeah, I feel like I did. And then sometimes, you know, I have pulled into the drive-through with a hot now sign on. I'm getting two chugs of milk today because I can wash down this whole box of donuts. And I've never been able to finish a whole box of donuts by myself. I think the most I've ever eaten at one sitting is six. And uh, that's kind of embarrassing to even admit that I've eaten six in a row, right? But, you know, and I feel like this is what I want want. But what I want and what I feel and what my emotions are telling me is not normally the best thing I need to do for my diet. Right? I mean, does the diet that you want or that you feel like having or that you are emotional about, I mean, the one that makes you say, you know, just, you know, you just start salivating inside. 
You know, it's, it's, it's not that stuff that's good for you that makes, you know, you start thinking about it and, and, and the, the saliva just starts running in your mouth. It's like, oh yeah, let's have some of that. No, the feelings and the emotions that you have and the, the, the wants that you have are not the best things for your diet. And I'm not just talking about a physical diet. I mean your spiritual diet as well and your emotional diet as well. The things that you want, the things that are easy, the things that you are passionate and you feel that you would like to have today, that is not the best indicator of what is right and what is wrong. And thirdly, sociopolitical persuasions. I know some of you have just finished in school and you think, oh goodness, we're about to have a test. Leanings. Sociopolitical. Here, here's all I mean by that. Your family, your friends, and your political leanings. Because here's what, here's what happens. You know, those, those are some pretty strong things in, in our lives, our family, our friends, and our political persuasions. Now, if you don't have them, it's not strong, but if you've got, if you've got family, you know, if you don't have any family left, then it's obviously not big in your life. And so if you don't have political stuff, it's not big in your life. But you know what happens? If somebody tells us something about our family that's wrong, what do you do? You don't say, oh, really? Would you tell me more? (laughs) Right? Is that what you do when somebody tells you about how your family's wrong? You say, hey, let's have lunch and talk about that more. No, no, you don't. The gloves are about to come off, right? I mean, you're backing up. I mean, you're you're getting ready. We're fixing to go toe-to-toe about this. You're talking about my family. You know, they're very strong things in our life, and we, we don't easily say, yeah, tell me about it. No, what we do is we start fighting. Or, or, or your, you know, your political persuasion, somebody tells you something, and, and, and you know what? I mean, think about it. Look around you right now in this country, right now. People don't care what the, what, what the truth is. They don't care what the stats are. They don't care what's really going on in this country. You know, they don't want to, they, they said, let me tell you what my political party believes. And they may not say it that way, but that's what they're saying. And what they are saying is, I don't care about the truth. This is who I am. My family's always been Democrat or my family's always been Republican. And when you say that, what you're saying is, I don't care what the truth is. I want to prove to you that this is the right way or this is the right way because this is who I am because I'm a Democrat or because I'm a Republican. I don't care about the truth. I don't care what the Word of God says. We've always been this political persuasion, and so this is all that matters. And what happens, and and you look around, you see it in our country right now. You see what's happening. Nobody cares about the truth. Nobody cares about real stats or anything like that. Nobody cares about that. They, They just care about their own little piece of the pie. And, and, and if you've got a, a heavy political persuasion of Democrat or Republican, that's your piece of the pie. And you don't care. You don't care if your position is right. You just want to make sure that the other position is wrong and that they're more wrong than you're wrong. And so what you do is you kind of go back up to that first thing on microfocusing and trying to find ways that they're more wrong. And so, and so then what happens is, is, is somebody says something and, 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 and makes a degree and you don't realize that there is some truth to what they look for. And absolutely not. That's not what happens when the gloves come off. You don't look for any common ground. You don't look for any. No, uh, now you're, this thing's a fight. And now you're saying things that you don't even believe sometimes. You start saying, well, I'm not really sure if that's right or not. That's what happens. It's because of that. Or, or you may say, but my family, is, I'm, I'm fourth generation Pentecostal. 
I'm fourth generation Baptist. I'm fourth generation Lutheran. I'm fourth generation non-denominational church. You know what you're saying? You know what you're really saying behind that? When you get into some discussion, or you know, normally what people are saying is, I don't really care what the Bible says because this is what my church believes. I don't, I don't really care what, what the, the preacher preaches you know, because this is what my church believes. I don't, I don't really care about that. I, all I care about is this is what my church believes. And let me throw in a couple of extra uh, denominations there. Uh, you know, I'm fourth generation Pentecostal. I'm fourth generation Baptist. I'm fourth generation Pharisee. I'm fourth generation Sadducee. And so you know what? We don't really care what the truth is. All we really care about is making sure our denomination is the right one. And everybody else's is the wrong one. And so we don't care. And so what we do is we begin arguing, not over truth, but we begin arguing over our pieces of the pie, our pieces of the pie, and, and, and where things fit. What's my last, last statement here? God, oh, this is a secret. You need to get this. God is not a registered Democrat or Republican. Some of y'all didn't know that, but he's not. And he is not on any local church membership role. There is not a church in the world that can brag that God's name is on their membership role. So you know what? Truth has nothing to do with how well you can explain it. Truth has nothing to do with how you feel about it. And truth has nothing to do with how your grandparents explained it. God rest their soul, but it has nothing to do with how your grandparents explained it. Truth is truth. And if you're looking for a way to know, it's based on love. Love God and love others. Uh, let, let me hurry about going, showing you this list real quick. Here's, here's some of the things that I hear people discuss and argue about and want to know, is this right, is this wrong, whatever. And, and you know what, if this were the wrong column and this were the right column, I'd probably leave most of these over here in the wrong column. And you know, I wouldn't put probably many of them over here in the right column, but some of you would argue with me about those. And, and, and how do I know, how do I know? How do I know if this is wrong or that? You know, some of them really easy. Deceit, fraud, lying. That one's really easy because you know what the qualifier is, right? Is loving God with all you are and loving others as yourself. And what makes that easy is I can't deceive someone. I can't defraud someone. I can't lie to someone if I'm loving them as myself. And see, this is how this, is how this thing works. Is this how it happened? And you know, some of those up there, oh, it, it, it'd be another half a sermon, another, another 15 minutes to just talk about some of these others up here because we've all got ideas and attitudes. But when we just bring it back down to simple truth, the simple truth of loving God and loving others as ourself. But I, I, I think we need one, one last little thing here. I, I, I wanna give you five quick focus statements, okay? And these are, these are from Scripture. It's because sometimes it gets a little confusing, and I, I've thrown them all on the, on the same slide so that so we can get through this pretty quick. But sometimes even love God. Yeah, I love God with everything. Oh, yeah, I love God. I love God more. And, and, and we, we, we don't really realize what we're saying, okay? Love God with all you are means more than say, yeah, I love. It means a whole lot more than that. Do everything to glorify God. You know what that kind of means? kind of means if... You do something, don't glorify God, don't do it. 
Everything we do as Christians is supposed to glorify God. I mean, even, even, even in our downtime, we can glorify God. You know, Jesus took his disciples off for just some rest, and that glorifies God because you're taking care of the temple of the Holy Spirit, even in that. You know, and, and, and you know, we can ask ourselves the question, the temple of the Holy Spirit, you know, what, exactly what, what should be, do, be being done? You know, what, is there anything that I'm doing with this temple that the Holy Spirit didn't really, doesn't want me to do with his temple? You know, uh, or uh, do not be controlled or mastered by anything or anyone or any substance or any media or anything. Don't, don't be mastered. Don't be controlled by anything. Even maintaining control over your own thoughts. Oh, preacher, I can't help what I think. Yeah, you can. You might not help the thought coming into your head, but you can help it stay in there. You don't have to keep thinking about it. You, you, you have to, uh, the, the, and the scriptures are right there, and, and all the scriptures from, the, from this message are on the Sunday's page with links. You can go right there and click on it on, on the Sunday's page. Uh, but you, you can even maintain control over your thoughts. Maintain control. Don't be mastered by anything. Don't hurt, don't offend, don't oppress others. Well, I, I try not to hurt, but that's, that's the thing is if we do anything that hurts someone or that offends them, if I'm doing anything that, that might cause another Christian to stumble in any way, then I gotta quit doing it. Because that's not loving my neighbor as myself. You see, that's what this means. If I'm doing something that oppresses someone else, you know, that's where we could have a discussion about gambling. You know, we could have a discussion. That's where it could begin. Or, or pornography. Well, pornography, you know, that's something I just do in privacy of my own home. But somebody's making money off of it and it's causing them to try to make more money off of it. And so we, we need to talk about trafficking and the sex trade and all of that that is happening, and we're part of oppressing, and do what leader, leads to peace and lifts others up. How many of y'all like to live in a state of absolute havoc and trouble and turmoil? Then love others that way. Do things that bring peace into their lives. Don't be the person, you know, like that thing that they said, some, everybody brings joy into the room. Some people when they come in, others people when they leave, you know. Don't be that person that always brings havoc, that always brings turmoil. And then when you leave the room, everybody's in turmoil now. Or when you leave the conversation, everybody, you're supposed to be, as, as God's, God's people, loving others as we love ourselves, we want to live in peace, then we should be peacemakers. When, when we walk out of somebody's presence, they should be in peace. They should have some sense of peace about them. We should be building them up. If we, if we do things that, that, that drag them down, you know, if they were on cloud nine when we walked in and they're scraping the bottom when we walk out, of the room or the conversation or the whatever, then we're not lifting up. We should be the, lift, the people lifting others up. This is what it means. These are, these are the five focus points. It's just statements to help us remember this is what it means to love God with all we have and to love others ourselves. Let me ask you one question before we get ready to close in prayer. Um, can, can you be honest with yourself and say, what... 
of this message tore at my heart today. I got my toes stuck out there. I've been stepping on my own toes up here preaching. Okay, where did it step on yours? Can we be honest? Would, would we just be honest today and say, here's some places that about, about truth or about allowing myself to be confused and struggling with it or about maybe some of these focus statements right here. What is the place? Can, can you just for a moment be honest with yourself and let's, let, let's ask God. Let's ask God to help us back to simple truth. Would you join me at the front, please? If you're a first-time attender, we'd like to close around front with a final prayer and a final song. And if you're comfortable, we'd love to have you join us. Somebody fall? Come on. Okay. Let me, let, me, let me try to say this as quick as I can, all right? I was going to do something else in my closing, but this morning as we were praying before the first service, prayer team was praying with me, and I was just talking to God and just saying, God, I thank you that you just make this simple. Even, even my relationship with you, God, you make it simple. You're my father. I'm your son. It's just simple, right? God, you just make it simple just like, just like our relationships and all of our families, and then it hit me. Man. There's a lot of families that it's not simple, is it? Now, that might be just a little embarrassing for you to nod your head and say, that's right, Pastor. <laughs> it's yours that I'm talking about. There's a lot, there are a lot of families. And probably every family has a place that's not real simple. But can I tell you something? We've been talking about truth like right and wrong. Let me give you another truth this morning. Is God simply wants you to have a peaceful, amazing, blessed life. He wants it to be simple. So if it's not simple, God wants to change that. He, want, he wants you to have sim, a simply awesome marriage. He wants you to have a simply awesome relationship with your kids or your parents. He wants you to have a simply amazingly blessed life. Just simply blessed. You know, not, not anything really crazy. He just wants you to be simply blessed. Not all this other stuff, and all this other stuff begins crowding your mind. When I say that, some of you are thinking, yeah, but, but what about this? No, 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 don't, don't, don't do that. Don't open a door for doubt. Listen to me. God wants you simply to be blessed. So shut all that other down and just embrace the fact that God wants you to be blessed. That's what he wants. Jesus didn't die so you could be confused, so you could be conflicted. So you could struggle. He died so you could be free and so you could be blessed. And so we would love to pray with you today. Whatever you need. Man, and come on, please. Come on, young brother, older brother, young sister, older sister. Can we pray for you today and just believe that God is going to simply bless you? Amazingly, but simply. Not a whole lot of other stuff. Just simply bless you. Bow with me, if you will. Let's pray. Jamie, go ahead when you can.